everyone and welcome to United Hours Podcast. I'm your host Duncan Terry and today I'm joined by regular guests Stuart Taylor and Adam Barton. How are you fellas? Uh, very good Duncan, Th- uh, glad to be back speaking football with you guys. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on the podcast so um really to get going again. Doing well thanks. If, if we could do it after the odd number of weeks that would be great because the Ravens seem to win those weeks but the, the even number of weeks are terrible for us. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good myself. The Seahawks have found themselves start two starting cornerbacks, two starting tackles and a running back for the next four or five years. Uh, so despite the fact we're recording when West Ham are losing, I'm feeling pretty chipper about life. This week, we're going to go in depth on some of those surprising teams this season. But first, let's have a little fun. Uh, Sling have been quizzing analysts to see if they can name all 32 head coaches in one minute. So let's see if you guys can do it as a pair. Can you confirm for the listeners that I've sprung this on you in just these last few seconds? It has indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could give it a, I, 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 I give it a go. <laughs> well, I reckon I'm going to let you guys do it as a pair. You can shout them out. You probably talk all over each other and it'll be a right old mess. But uh, if you're up for it, should we give it a go? Yeah, go on then. Okay. Do you want to split AFC and NFC or, or at all or not? <laughs> I was going to go division by division and just see if I could do it. Yeah. Well, no pressure. ESPN's Mina Kimes this week got 29 out of 32. So you've got a lot. Oh, there's no way. Well, I reckon, I reckon we could do it. All right. If you're ready, I'll start the stopwatch. And go. Mike McDaniel, Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, Robert Sala. Um, Mike Vrabel, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson, John Harbour, John, Mike Dolphin, uh, Lovey, 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 uh, Kevin Stefanski, Zach Taylor. I was going division by division. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. We'll go. Um, Mike Sean Tomlin, Jim Harbaugh, um, <laughs> Mike Tomlin, uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Zach Taylor, um, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Andy Reid, Josh McDaniel, um, Nathaniel Hackett, um, Brandon Staley, um, Mike LaFleur, uh, Dan Campbell, um, Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Connell, um, that division as well, his other team, Chicago Bears, uh, three, uh, Matt Eberflus, um, one, time up. Oh, wow. <laughs> Terrible. I, I think I got through five out of eight divisions. <laughs> Which ones do you think you got? Which divisions? Because I, I got all I the got... all all the AFC. Yeah. And I got the NFC North as far as as far as I got. We got some of the the NFC. Oh, I didn't get Pete Carroll. God. Um, <laughs> I got Kingsbury at least. Um, I could tell you all the coaches. It's just in the one minute. It's the hard bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and not talking over each other. I guess. Was the... <laughs> yeah, that was the right months, wasn't it? I make it. 20 out of 32. I'll take oh, it. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a speed. It's a speed. Uh, that is difficult. That is really really difficult. I can say I I, I would I, I wouldn't do as well as that. I don't think. Well, I'll tell that you what. Thanksgiving tradition. Thanksgiving tradition that I have with with my friends. We we get together and watch the certainly the first couple of games together, which is all good fun. But one one of my friends will will list the records of each team. As as they go along, as it is, 
taking into account buys off by heart, which is really quite impressive and slightly nerdy. I say slightly. <laughs> That's pretty hardcore. It, yeah. It's, is that the next like, challenge? See if, I can, see if we can get all the records. <laughs> Especially once the buys come into it, you just like they don't even add up to the same number. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> nah, it's too tough. <laughs> it was a great effort. Thanks, fellas. Sorry to spring that on you. But on with the pod. Last week was absolutely shocking, but maybe we shouldn't be so surprised anymore. This year has been so open. Uh, for example, last week the Giants beat the Ravens, the Steelers beat the Bucks, the Falcons beat the 49ers, and the Jets thrashed the Packers. Uh, let's see if we're giving teams enough or not enough credit. Stuart, the New York Giants, what a turnaround from last year, right? Brian Dayball has been sensational. I think out of all the teams we're maybe going to talk about, the New York Giants are probably the biggest surprise. And I think it really goes to show with what you might see with some of these other teams as well, is how well good coaching can go. The Giants don't have the most talented roster in the league by any stretch of their imagination. Um, but what they are is a well-coached team. Um, they're, they're able to execute their game plan very well and they don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, the, the turnovers are, are, are limited. Um, Daniel Jones is playing well within the structure. Um, Saquon Barkley's had a renaissance and they're just playing sensible football that, that is well coached. And I think that after the first couple of games, it was a nice wee story. Oh, the Jets have got a couple, the Giants, sorry, have got a couple of wins. But they've also gone none now and they've beat the Packers and they've beat the Ravens, who are teams that at the start of the season were very well fancied. And um, yeah, it shows how far coaching can take teams. And I think we will see that. I know one of the teams we're maybe not talking about is the Falcons, but they were another team where coaching has been really good. They've they've outperformed the level of talent that they've got. And we've seen teams who have got much more talented, who are a bit of a shambles at times. Um, and, and teams like the, the Browns are just one example have been not very good. You've seen the Raiders haven't started particularly well. And I think the big difference is how well these teams have been coached rather than talent. 100%. And I think, to be fair to the Ravens, that the... The Giants' win was probably one of the less shocking games of of the weekend. The Giants have started well. They've beaten they've beaten the Packers. They they've beaten what's in front of them bar one week. Uh, but other than that, yes, I, I quite agree. If, if you'd said to me at the start of the season that the Giants would be five and one, I would be shocked. But the fact that they beat the Ravens at home not necessarily as big a shock uh, as as you would have thought. But they are maximising their potential for sure. Daniel Jones is looking uh, looking a solid option, uh, and they're getting the most out of their out of their draft picks in terms of Andrew, Andrew Thomas developing further, Aziz Ojolari uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau uh, providing a bit of terror on off the edge as well, and, and Dexter Lawrence as well. And they're just really quite well balanced and just get beating what's in front of them. I, I don't know how else to, to put it other than the fact that they're they're taking it a week at a time and, and, and winning winning the game rather than thinking about oh they're gonna be the the hot tip for the Super Bowl this year. Hmm. Uh, well, well, while the Super Bowl might be a step too far for this young team, uh and you're absolutely right about coaching. That's the that's the biggest factor here and, and the passion that Dayball has as well is really rubbing off on the players. They really want to play for him. Um, but also as an element of what's happened to the Jags, you know, you have enough high draft picks for long enough, you're going to end up with a decent team. Um, 
And it really shown me actually uh, the value of, I, I questioned myself, you know, why would a team like the Panthers trade an asset like Brian Burns? That'd be crazy. He's young. He's fantastic. What would, why would they do that? But then, you know, if, if you're at that point where you need to refresh, you end up with a couple of extra first round picks. Maybe last year they got, to, you know, Neil and Thibodeau in for the Giants and, and they've been great. So, you know, they've got them for what five years with the option. Um, so that really does show the value and it's it's taught me a lesson there for sure. It's typical Giants football being great on both both lines. That That's really the basis of how they've been performing well. Absolutely, and that's how I like my teams to play. Adam, uh, this week a new writer wrote about the Super Bowl Super Bowl hangover um, on our website. Uh, how about the Rams uh, surprising us this year? It's definitely been a less than ideal start, and and sort of the inverse of of the the, uh, the Giants is that they haven't been beating the teams that you'd you'd be expecting. Obviously, as a Super Bowl. Um, also, Super Bowl champions, they're they're going to go into every game as favourites. Maybe the odd odd uh, game on the road is going to is going to be more of a challenge. But they haven't performed up to the the uh, the talent that that they have. And I mean, potentially, it's just a case of you you attract everyone saying, "Come on, let's all get let's you know, come together as a team." Bring in Matt Matt Stafford. Uh, Von Miller, uh, we've got Aaron Donald already, obviously, uh, and and we'll we'll win a ring together. Um, Bobby Wagner being an, another example, and Leonard Floyd. But as soon as you've got that ring, where's the, where does the motivation come from? And and it it's really a testament to how well the Patriots have done to to have been on top for so long that that Bill Belichick managed to keep teams motivated week in week out year in year out throughout well for two decades ultimately i know they've taken a step back now but they're still still performing quite well uh and once the rams lose that that little edge of everyone's fighting for that same goal of going for a super bowl it's not not everyone is is as motivated for for dominance i guess of of going back to back and getting uh getting a second ring getting that third and, and fourth and when you look at the the roster as a whole it's it's obviously very top heavy with the way that they draft but you've got uh, Ben Skronik, who who's their, uh, their their right their second wide receiver. Uh, they haven't really got a running game this year with with Cam Akers being uh, pretty absent, and obviously they've lost lost a lot of edge pressure from from Von Miller as well. So they they're quite an unbalanced team. And when when you just look at the bare bones of of certainly the offensive roster, there's there's not that much for for Matt Stafford to work with outside of Cooper Cup. So it's it's not as much of a surprise if you take away the sheen of of Super Bowl champions from from them. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of kind of difficult situations in the Rams. I mean, Von Miller is, is probably a bigger loss than they, they thought he was going to be. Um, Cooper Cup is obviously a really good target, but they yeah, as I say, they've got. Ben Skoronic doing various things, and they haven't really figured out how to use Alan Robinson yet. He's not really a a typical McVeigh receiver as yet. And um, they've also, a big loss for them, I think, has been Andrew Whitworth at left tackle as well. Stafford's been under a lot more pressure than he was. They haven't really um, been a stellar offensive line. And they've also lost a great deal of rushing game. They're actually second last in the league on, on rushing average per game. Um, and that takes away a lot of the, the potential options for play action and all these kind of things that, McVeigh likes to put in. I think they're just a team that's maybe just finding out what they are this year. 
And I think, you know, we're just about a third of the way through the season or so. I think we might see the Rams turn the corner in the next few weeks. Um, I, I can see them maybe going on a little bit of a run once once McVeigh's figured things out and they, and they kind of realise what they are and where they are. I think you'll see maybe kind of coming into November, December time that the Rams might start turning it around a little bit. It's interesting, isn't it? It's uh, We talked about the Giants and their lines. Uh, it's always the offensive line, isn't it? You know, the Rams suddenly turn bad. It's their offensive line. The Seahawks had a few down years. It was their offensive line. The Bengals offensive line, you know, uh, Tom Brady struggling offensive line losses. It's very, very interesting. I really think those trenches are so important. Um, but like you say, I, I definitely not going to count them out. No one in the NFC has a at West has a winning record right now. There's three teams on three and three. Um, the, the 49ers are looking good, but are very, very injured at the moment. And the Seahawks, they're performing. A, they, their youngsters are doing well, but I think they're doing a bit better. Their record is a bit better than what they are. Um, I think the Rams will probably win that division, right? I, I, I'm not sure they'd be. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll win the division, but I, I would definitely trust them to make the playoffs. But the, yeah. the thing for them is that the likely likelihood is that they'll be at best the third seed if if they were to uh, turn things around today. They're already a couple of games back on, well, on th- on, uh, two or three games back on on three teams, but two of those are out of the East. So obviously only one of those can, uh, or one of those will be a wild card. So they're they'd they'd be struggling to to get the top seeds, and obviously that's going to affect them later on in the season. I do think they they will turn things around, but I I don't think this is as good a team as it was last year. That's for sure, and uh, that's beyond uh, the struggles of Von Miller, or the absence of Von Miller, I should say. Yeah, an interesting one to watch develop in LA. Um, I'll start us off for the next one, the New York Jets. Now I love all of the moves they made this off season. Uh, that, yeah, they had two great wide receivers, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. They added another one in the first round. You know, they're just trying to give Zach Wilson as much help as they can. Uh, they also added Brees Hall at running back, um, despite already having Michael Carter. He's looked fantastic. And two big pieces on the offensive line, uh, Lakin Tomlinson and Dwayne Brown. Not household names. Uh, you've probably heard of them, um, but they're not like known as the most fantastic linemen in the league. But they're very, very solid players. And in fact, I've, you know, been playing Aaron Donald twice a year for the last like four years in, in, in the NFC West. They are great pieces to pick up alongside Vera Tucker, who listeners will know I, I think is going to be a great player. And on defence as well, you know, the pieces in the secondary. Uh, Jordan Whitehead won a Super Bowl with the Bucks, And DJ Reed, who is a really underrated uh, cornerback, you know, almost unheard of uh, for the Seahawks, and they just didn't want to pay him. Um, the Jets did, and they're really reaping the rewards. I think this one for me, the coaching's great. But it's all about those personnel moves, and I think they've been fantastic. Yeah, I agree that they've made really good personnel moves. But the thing for me that's been really good for the Giants, eh, sorry, Jets this year has been the defensive line. I think Quinnen Williams has really started to show that he has um, lived up to that draft stock. I think he was picked third overall in the year that he was taken. He took a couple of years to kind of get there, but now he's um, they figured out how to use him, and, and he's a real menace to deal with up front. And they got Carl Lawson back, who missed pretty much his first year as well after transferring over from um, Cincinnati, and he's been really good. And one of the most underrated defensive linemen they've got as well, John Franklin Myers, I think is a really good part of that team as well. So out with having potential 
defensive rookie and offensive rookie of the years as well. And those guys playing really well has made a massive difference, I think, to to what the Jets bring to the table. Of course, we've barely mentioned uh, three of their their main rookies that have been performing for them in terms of Garrett Wilson, who who blew up in the in week two and three, I think it was. He's he's been a bit quieter since, but still been performing well. Uh, obviously, Sauce Gardner uh, was uh, had a high profile game at, at Lambeau, but got got the job done, and, and then uh, really annoyed Alan Lazard. But he's he's been uh, performing well, and dare I say, make connections to uh, to Darrell Revis, but uh, do, doing the job for the Jets. And, and Brees Hall uh, has really emerged as, as one of the better runners in, in the league so far, uh, providing a, a balanced attack. But the, the Jets uh, and both, and the Giants as well are doing exactly what you need to do in the aim for, for the th- uh, third and fourth year with a, a, a high, high round quarterback, providing offensive talent around them. Which then means that you have the answer. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you have the answer of whether they are the option, whether Zach Wilson is worthy of a second contract, or whether you need to look elsewhere. They they know by the end of the season if Zach Wilson is their guy, and the same same with Daniel Jones. So it's it's coming up trumps for for the Jets. It didn't look like it would at the start of the season, but they they've really turned it around and and look a, a force to be reckoned with. So Adam, uh, what kind of source do you have on Source Island? You mentioned Darrell Revis, you know. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say after that game at Lambo, it's got to be cheese sauce. <laughs> that was the easy one. <laughs> we'll have to think of some place you have sauce where wide receivers might better get to. <laughs> um, so all sunny and bright, good looking for the future for the Jets. You know, you hit on three first round picks. You're really looking uh, looking good. Uh, Stuart, really out of the favourites column in preseason, you know, year on year. But this year, how flawed are the Packers in reality? Very, I think, is the answer. I've been really surprised by how poor the Packers have been. I had them pegged as a potential Super Bowl team because I thought this defence was going to be really good. And it's probably a bit of a harsh word thing. I think they've been quite soft in in the defence. When you look at the talent that they've got, um, they've not really been able to hold up particularly well. Um, I think Rashawn Gary's been pretty good, but when you look at guys like um, Kenny Clark and um, Preston Smith and whatnot up front, they they haven't really done the job. Um, they, they've got talent in the secondary again; it hasn't been particularly well. And and rookie um, linebacker Quay Walker has been a bit all over the place. To be kind, I think I think he really has struggled as well. Um, so we knew that they were probably weren't going to be the same offense as they had been previously. They do have the, the two talented running backs and they've got a lot of new pieces at wide receiver, you know, a couple of rookies and whatnot. And Romeo Dubs has looked okay. Christian Watson really hasn't kind of emerged yet. And Aaron Rodgers cuts a bit of a frustrated figure, I think. Um, so the things don't look particularly rosy in Green Bay at, at the moment on both sides of the ball. There's only so long you can get away with uh, with poor receiver play or, or or not having the talent around around a superstar quarterback like Aaron Rodgers leave leave the Patriots aside for the last last decade. But once you get rid, rid of Devontae Adams so that there is someone attracting all the attention, which frees up uh, the the sort of second level receivers, then they're going they're going to struggle to get get open and. Alongside that, they haven't really been using Aaron Jones. I don't have his carries in, in front of me, but he hasn't been. Uh, he, he really wasn't used that much against the Jets, and, and AJ Dillon hasn't been uh, in the in the game plan that much either. So 
there's there's just not that much going on the offense and on on the defensive side it's it's starting to, certainly the uh, the main talent is starting to look quite old when you look at, at Kenny Clark and um, uh, Jair Alexander that there's there's quite a, a, a quite a lot of experience which is of course good but it needs to be replenished as well and I know um, Quay Walker obviously w- was drafted but hasn't hasn't lived up to that expectation so far so they they need to work things out fast because it's not like they have a an easy path to to winning their division uh, this season. I guess what I can't figure out with the Packers is whose fault is it? I mean, maybe maybe it's several places, but like you say, they've got fantastic players on defense, and if if they're not performing, I think that's on. Yeah, is it motivational or or scheme or what is it? Because they're really really great players, and they've shown so much in their careers already. Um, and yes, like you say, if, sorry. Were they overrated the last few years in quite a weak division, though? And as soon as, uh, as soon as they're playing against a slightly stronger division with with the Vikings coming out a, a bit more, and oh, man. one of the Packers wins is against the Bears, it, it could be deflating their record. But currently, they've they've their points difference is sixty is minus sixteen uh, through six games of the season. It's just, which shows that they just haven't been haven't been performing on on either side of the ball really. I, I guess maybe there's an element of the Rams in there that they've got several great players and not enough around them, or or if if it's that the offense can't stay on offense can't stay on the field and the defense just end up knackered. Um, but like you say, with the wide right receivers and not using the running backs uh, efficient, you know, well enough. Um, you know, if there's no one on the one receiver like Adams, it's just you know you you're really fighting a losing battle there, no matter who the quarterback is. I, I think there's just a just a, a funny team, and and sometimes teams just have these spells and they have these years where things just don't go right, and there's and it's not one particular thing because I think generally they they have drafted well, they haven't the receivers maybe kind of the outstanding position that they haven't maybe replenished as well as they could. Um, Matt Lafleur has been a good coach; he's had a really good winning record since he's went there. I think. It, it's, I think it's just one of these years, you know, teams just have them and, and it's, and there's not a key can't say, oh, the general manager's been terrible, the coach has been terrible, this has been terrible. Everything is just, it's just not clicked and and, and the, I think they'll probably be scratching their heads as much as anyone else's. And receivers, uh, I, I know the Packers don't last to, like to draft them early, but they they have been drafted early over the last few years. So you're you're really getting... I don't want to say that the dregs, but that you're you're not you're missing out on lot on the top level talent if you if you look at the second, third, or fourth round for for receiver, and Romeo Dubs has has been performing quite well, but he's not going to be Devonte Adams from from day one, and that's that's for sure. So they just need to invest some invest high level draft uh, high draft value in. Um, in key positions, uh, and and that's difficult to do because you only get uh, one first round pick a year unless you unless you get you know, have a trade. What um what about Rogers? Because you know uh, Tom Brady's one thing, and you mentioned ten years worth of him having average to good receivers and winning Super Bowls. I mean, I, I'd expect more from Rogers. What is he a three four time MVP? Um, no matter who the supporting cast is, sure, surely. Again, it's a difficult one because I think. Aaron Rodgers has expectations of receivers that they're going to just do what he wants them to do and they're going to be where he wants the ball to be. 
And and when you've got the guys like like Dobbs and and particularly Christian Watson, who's new, they, they are just learning the game and they, and they've come from college systems that have been really favourable to the wide receivers. And yeah, I think I think Rogers is probably not the easiest quarterback in the world to work with as well. I don't think he's going to be he's going to be teaching these guys. I, I could be completely wrong in that, but I think he just wants them to be be there and know what they're doing. And I don't know if it's the, the most wonderful environment for for a young guy to to learn in, but um, yeah, I, I'm just a bit of a loss to explain the Packers really. High pressure for those kids, isn't it? So last up, Adam uh, overlooked for what I thought would be a certain fourth place on 99 yards power rankings this week. Are the are the Vikings getting enough credit? I think they've they've snuck up on us a, a bit like the the Giants did really. They've they've been performing really well. And when we when we spoke about them uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were saying that they they've beaten they've they've had quite a soft schedule, but. Kevin O'Connell has really got the best out of Kirk Cousins, bar one week, which was against the Eagles, who have been the uh, the star of the season so far. Uh, but th- there's always been talent on the the Vikings roster, and it, maybe it was a case of things had just gone a bit stale uh, with Mike Zimmer. So it's it's no surprise that that they've been when that, that with uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook that they're they're going to come up trumps, and they have a, a strong defense as well. But the, I, I don't think anyone would have expected them to have this strong a record and a couple game lead on the Packers at this point of the season. But that goes both ways. And I think they've got an easy chance to extend that record as well. I mean, the next two games, they've got the Cardinals and the Commanders. A very winnable games. And we could be looking at a 7-1 and one Vikings. And if your team are at a 7-1, and one, that the tails are up. You're, you're really confident. And they could go on a bit of a charge towards the end of the season. Looking at the schedule, they've got a potential bump in the road after that in the Bills. They've got a tricky game against the Cowboys. But then they, they face, after that, they've got the Patriots, Jets, Lions, Colts, Giants, Packers and Bears. It's not a schedule to strike real fear into you if you've got a team that's a bit of confidence. We know that games can go anyway at this season, but the, the Packers, eh, sorry, the Vikings, could amass quite a few wins there and we could be looking at a could we look at a number one seed in the NFC? I don't know. What uh, what were those last three teams on the schedule? Uh Giants, Packers and Bears. Oh my. <laughs> Close. <laughs> the the li- the the Lions were just a little bit before that. They've done me. They've done me. Um, I've got to admit, I owe the Vikings a huge apology. I don't know, it was two, three weeks ago, the Vikings special, and I asked our guests, why are they always underperforming? Because they've got such great players. Well, now they're performing. They, they, they do have great players on, on offense. They've got three great receivers, a great, you know, two great running backs, uh, a quarterback who everyone likes to pick up late in fantasy because he gets yards and yards and yards and yards. And, and, and they're good on offense, and their defense is just, you know, it's fantastic. They've got great pass rush. They, they, you know, they, Eric Kendricks has performed year after year. Um, he, he'll be a huge loss to the league when he finally retires, but he, he's not looking like slowing down at all. Um, I was wrong. They're, they're looking good for their division. If we took a look, look back at the at a comparison with the Packers, uh, obviously they, the Vikings have KJ Osborne at receiver, and I'd say he's a, a reasonable comparison, maybe sl- not quite as good as Alan Zard, but on a on a similar sort of level. 
and he's the Vikings' third receiver. Alan Lazard is is the Packers' number one. They just don't have the, the Packers don't have the depth of talent that the, the Vikings do. Uh, they've they've brought in Cedarius uh, Smith as well. Uh, obviously, he, he failed a, a physical with the Ravens and has ended up in, with the Vikings. So just picking up and Patrick Peterson as well, picking up high level talent. Okay, it's they're a bit older, but they're performing ultimately. Uh, so it's they've they've got the balance of their their roster right, and uh, with Mike Zimmer out the door and, and Kevin O'Connell in, that it, it's working for them. So it's they've they've just got the balance right, and the uh, the new coach bounce is is really helping them. Yeah, it's it's a real mix of experience and, and youth, and their best players are in the key positions like tackle and receiver and cornerback. Uh, and pass rush, uh, Daniel Hunter as well. I mean, the list goes on. It's uh, it's a really good setup there. So moving on from focus on teams, I think it's just about time for another in our top five series. And this week, I'm taking another turn. I've gone for quite a personal and subjective top five this week. My favourite plays f- uh, from my time as a fan, just for, from from memory, from since about 2008. Uh, so you might better guess what one of them is going to be. But at number one, the Saints onside kick after halftime in the Super Bowl. Um, you know how difficult it is to play against a team who has that scores on the last possession of the first half and then the, gets the ball in the first possession of the second half. Uh, you know, Peyton uh, saw to that and went onside kick and gathered it. It was a fantastic play. Number two, uh, John Ryan's throw to Gary Gilliam in the NFC Championship game. Um, the Seahawks down three touchdowns and looking like going out in a very sad style. The offense was uh, stuttering, but the, took the punter throwing to a tackle to to liven things up and go on to win. Number three. Everyone will probably remember, I think it's on Sky's highlight reel you know, every week, uh, Jerome Simpson's somersault into the end zone for the Bengals. That was a few years ago now, but it's fantastic. In at number four, Colts trick play failure. Um, you may remember this. They lined up with like two offensive linemen and a quarterback and stuck everyone else out on the right-hand side. And, and no surprise, they got sacked for a huge loss. Uh, I didn't say all of these were good plays, um, but it was extremely memorable and I love my ass off. Um, in at number five, the helmet catch, Tyree. Um, it was my first Super Bowl, um, watching it around a friend's house up in Aberdeen, I think, um, not far away from Stuart. Um, David Tyree's helmet catch towards the end there, helping the Giants secure a Super Bowl victory over the Patriots. Uh, guys, what do you think of the list? Uh, and and are there any? You know, what are your personal favourite uh, plays from your memory of uh, your time as a fan? I mean, the, the trick play from the, the Colts is the one that just sticks out in my mind as it was just the ab- absurdity of it, really. I, I'm yeah. not quite I'm not quite sure what they were trying to achieve. Um, They kind of lined up everyone out on the right side and they snapped the ball and didn't go anywhere. It was blown up pretty well by the, the, the yeah, I think it was the Patriots, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who were playing. And um, it was just, just such an odd play and um, these kind of funny kick-offs, kicks are always, it was quite intriguing to me that Miami had one a few years ago when they spread everyone out wide and snapped it direct to the to the kicker and it actually worked and they scored a touchdown but um, these these funny kick plays are always um, baffling to me that sometimes I'm not quite sure what teams are trying to achieve No, it's nutty that There's one. a 
there's a great description that Pat McAfee did on on why that play failed. I, I, we'll have to tweet it out after. Um, I can't can't quite remember. I assume it was on his show. Uh, but explaining it was just one player being injured that caused that to happen, which you you wouldn't believe when you look at it. But it does make sense when he he goes through it. It may have been uh, ill thought out in the first place, but but it, it wouldn't have looked quite as bizarre as it as it did. Uh, I I I definitely agree on the onside kick. Uh, as, as the first one and the helmet catch does have a, a, a special place uh, but I'm not sure I'd, I'd, I think it might be my number six uh, there was a, a bootleg play uh, I'm going back to the but to an Alex Smith bootleg in, in 2011 uh, in, in the playoffs against um, against the Saints I believe it was uh, when the, the 49ers suddenly came good uh, and the next year I'd go with uh, Jacoby Jones's first touchdown in the Super Bowl where he falls down gets back up and then rounds two two 49ers defenders to score. And obviously the Ravens just about held on in that in that game. Uh I think you've got to include the, the Stefan Diggs touchdown in the in the divisional round against the Saints. Oh. I, it's that's probably my favourite play ever, despite uh, despite allegiances. It's just uh, pure electricity. Uh, and finally for me, I I'll, I'll have to go with a field goal. Uh, Justin Tucker's sixty six yard f- uh, field goal off the upright. Uh, to win against the Lions with the last kick of the game uh, and set a, an, an NFL record, so that was that was just spectacular and uh, great play that that secured his his Hall of Fame resume for me. Another one that I'm going to come with is probably been done to death, but was the uh, the Philly special in the Super Bowl. Um, oh, I think there is that. One I think too. I think uh, Nick Foles is just such a great story that year. He was a kind of career backup. Carson Wentz had that almost MVP-like run to get them there. And Nick Foles stopped, stepped in for the playoffs. And uh, just the, when you see it back afterwards and him him just encouraging Pearson, will we go for it? Will we do it? And then called the, the Philly, Philly touchdown. And then, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, a, it was just a great play to see. And uh, yeah, I'm, if I remember rightly, the Patriots tried something similar in that game as well. But not not for a touchdown, and then the, someone overthrew it, Brady. Um, so it just kind of made it a bit more sweet. And maybe thinking of the wrong game, but there was definitely a play like that with, with involving Tom Brady. But yeah, the um, the Philly special for me, just just because it was in the Super Bowl, and it and it's something that will be replayed um, time and time again. That all great shouts. Um, but I'll tell you a couple more that just missed out for me. Um, the first of all, James Harrison, uh, the 99-yard interception, 99 yards, the 99-yard interception return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals. Um, a fantastic Super Bowl, uh, and the build-up to it was amazing as well because Larry Fitzgerald just absolutely went off in those playoffs, uh, which made it extra special. And I was even cheering for my rival Cardinals. Um, it, was, it was an awesome play, and, and one for you, there, Stuart. Uh, one that nearly made it for me was when the Dolphins were chucking the ball around in the last play of the game to beat the Patriots. Miami uh, Miracle. On, the Miami Miracle. It went on for ages. Um, it was fantastic. It was it was smooth. It was gr- with uh, Gronk defending the Hail Mary. Well, if you're going to include uh, include James Harrison's uh, return, then I've got to put Ed Reed's 108-yard interception return, which was <laughs> was one of the reasons I I got back into the or got into the NFL in the first place. Uh, that that's spectacular. You'll have to find that uh, that clip on there because that's that's about 15 years old, scarily. So you'll have to find it on on the internet somewhere. Uh, just totally unrelated to NFL play, just one that I've come across in the last couple of days. Um, doing the draft work and I was listening to another podcast and, and googled up 
the, the actual is a, is a is a player for Illinois, a cornerback called Devon Devon or Devon Witherspoon. Put into YouTube, Devon Witherspoon hit, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. But if you want to see somebody absolutely light somebody up, if you're into that kind of thing, that's one of the best plays that I've seen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. There you go, listeners. This is, level. this is a hit from a cornerback. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> wow. Well, I really enjoyed that in the end. That was a good top five. Uh, quality discussion. Uh, listeners, let us know your most memorable plays from your time as a fan. Um, but that's it for today's show. And as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Come back to us. Let us know your plays and what you think of those teams. You can tweet us at 99yards. Thanks for listening. Yeah.